They say the number eight symbolizes an individual who is deeply creative and powerful. Well, as it turns out, my guest today on the program has just released her eighth album, and she is super creative, and she is super powerful. So I guess number eight is resolutely on brand. Well done, eight, and well done to my guest today. Who might that be? Well, you know how this works. You'll find out in one minute and 27 seconds. I'm Alex Green, and this is Stereo Embers, the podcast. Check this out. Well, my love has a limit. It ends before I feel it. guest today on the program, Sarah Mary Chadwick. Let me tell you a little bit about Sarah Mary Chadwick. The New Zealand-born Sarah Mary Chadwick fronted the deliciously feral post-grunge outfit Batrider in the early 2000s. They were great, by the way. If you don't know them, look them up. You won't be sorry. She made her first solo foray with the riveting 2012 album Eating for Two, and from there she's moved from strength to strength with albums like Please Daddy and Me and Ennui Are Friends, Baby. Her new one, Messages to God, is nothing short of stunning. An aching blend of Jonathan Richman, Marky Smith of the Fall, and Rid of Me era PJ Harvey. On this album, Chadwick has never sounded better. It's spare and savagely beautiful, and it features brilliant songs like Shitty Town and I Felt Things in New Zealand, which you just heard a bit of. Chadwick's raw, emotional precision is singular and beautiful, and she's one of my favorite musicians ever. She's also one of my favorite people to talk to. So let's talk to her. Here we go. Me and Sarah Mary Chadwick, right here on Stereo Embers, the podcast.
my Zoom uh, put my face really big, and I was like, that's too much face. Yeah, it did to me too. It was confronting. <laughs> confronting. I'm like, I do not want to look at myself that. And that yeah, I, want, I always want to know, can you do it where you can't see your face at all? You can turn your video off, and that's that's one way of doing it. Um, but I can't, but I can't see your face and hide my face. <laughs> we, we both don't want to look at our faces. Um, we can do it with video off if you like. Totally up. Totally I don't know. It's like, I, so, I just put my, I put mine down the bottom side. So it's out of my um line of vision now. <laughs> I did. I did the exact same thing. I'm like, I can't do it anymore. I. I feel like um, it's just distracting because you I, you get too. I feel like I get too uh, distracted by um with what I'm saying by watching what my face is doing. <laughs> I know, I know. I go like, oh, now I have talking face going or listening face Yeah, going. it's true. <laughs> I know, I know. And then I start thinking my face is being way too active while I'm talking. Anyway, it's horrible. <laughs> it's true. Yeah, I hate my serious one where I'm like, <laughs> like just, that one annoys the shit out of me. <laughs> I, at one point I think to myself, how could anyone take me seriously with the way I, I'm looking? <laughs> That's too funny. <laughs> how, um, how are you? How are I'm things good. over there? It's good. It's good. Um, it's the morning, and yeah, I feel like I'm getting a bit of a cold or something. But um, I'll be, but I'll be fine. <laughs> as a you know, as a musician, I think like your livelihood is your voice. I imagine that that brings about some panic. Um, when I was young, it definitely did. I used to get um really stressed out about loop but I was in like a louder a louder band so it was like kind of more screamy yelly singing and I used to get really stressed out but then and like do weird shit like um drink oil before like in the middle of sets and stuff because it was like but then um literally as soon as I stopped stressing out about it when I was like maybe in my mid I think it was when we were doing like a bit of touring when I was in my mid late later 20s um as soon as I stopped caring I never ever lost my voice again I think and because it must all like just the tension of keeping your vocal cords tight and then just hitting it really hard right in your throat mm. and then because I don't really sing like sing like that anyway do you know what I mean like I don't have a very like throat like singing from your throat voice like it's a, like a face and tummy one but um Yes, I'm fine now. But yeah, I used to get really panicky about it. <laughs> what kind of oil were you putting in your throat? Literally like cook, cooking oil. Like I remember like oh. re readings. I don't know if someone told me. I'm quite like a gullible person. Like people tell me shit. I believe it very quickly. Um, but yes, I think I must have read it or heard it somewhere. Or someone told me. And um, yeah, I don't. Like it kind of makes a bit of sense like essentially you're just lubing your throat up but like whether or not it actually does anything to your vocal cords I highly doubt <laughs> yeah I find that I I sound better in the morning but most rock and roll gigs are at night so <laughs> that's a problem yeah. for you right because by the nighttime you've already been living a life and having a day and talking um I feel like we're singing stuff so long, yeah, I think it's, look, for me, it's just a stress, yeah, literally a stress thing. Like, if I'm, like, even I had a, um, my husband and I got COVID maybe, like, <clears throat> a year ago, and then we had a, I had a show in Sydney, like, the next, 
I think it was maybe like two days after we were out of quarantine. So I could like it was I could go, but the show was it um was a filming of like a live video thing in the day and then a performance at the night. And I was like, my voice will be fine. Like I can pull it together for, you know, 40 minutes or whatever and do the show. But I was like, I don't know if I'm going to be good like doing repeated singing for the video. And I was like, oh, maybe, you know, like you could do it to my like record audio and I'll just like, you know, make it more like a regular video. So, cause I didn't want to be um, rubbish for the performance. And they were like, did heaps, they were very nice, but they're like, oh yeah. Okay, no, that sounds great. That sounds great. So what we'll do is we'll just do the live singing. And I was like, no, no. But And they're like, you know, we totally understand. Okay, so we'll go with the light because I really, really wanted to do it. And I was like, all right, fuck, I guess I've just got to do this. And I was really stressed out about it. And it was fine. It was okay. <laughs> yeah, I was just like, yeah, I just got there and I was like, all right, well, I have to do this. So just like... Just don't get too tense in your throat and just maybe just don't give it as much as in certain parts. And yeah, I don't know. See, I always, when people lose their voices, I always think it's just often heaps to do with them, their anxiety, not necessarily. I mean, I guess some people have bad vocal technique, maybe, but yeah, I don't know. Yeah, I, you're, it's right. Because I think that when I remember one time I was angry with somebody and they called me and I wanted to tell them I was, and I was angry at my voice cracked immediately and I was like well now they're not gonna take me very seriously you really let me down because I was like <laughs> you know emotional about it and I think that you're right that you're you get this weird tightness in your throat and it just doesn't you sound like an adolescent it's like a um, Freud thing like um um what I call it bungled actions like you know if you go to therapy and then like all of a sudden you've got like a tickle in your throat or whatever it's because you don't want, like this is something that you don't want to say or whatever you know like yeah I don't know I I, yeah. I I subscribe to all of that I I totally I totally agree I know some people they get nervous all of a sudden they start going <clears throat> <clears throat> you're like oh yeah. you're, you're freaking out um what is this painting behind you because that person looks very healthy oh that's <laughs> that's the cover of my first um solo album eating for two but it's um I didn't it's a portrait of me but it's the only one that I didn't do my friend um Nick did it and you might see so it's we did like a little photo shoot at my house of um some poses and then um he had like a deadline of like three months so I was like I need it by this date He's a very, very close friend of mine. And um, and he's like, yeah, I got it, I got it, I got it. And then I think the day before I had to have it to go to pressing for the record or whatever, I was like, I need that painting like now. And he's like, oh, yeah. And I think he'd done all of it, but just none of the background. And so then he obviously just really quickly did um just this beautiful gradient. <laughs> I love it. I have the album, but I have I have the digital copy. So I don't have... Uh, I never knew what the cover looked like. This is like, this is the the sad thing about 2023. In the old days, I would have like gazed at that cover and gotten to know it. And now it's all <laughs> digital advances and, right? So you lose yeah, the beauty of the art. Well, I don't even have that. Someone brought some stuff for me to sign to a show the other day. Like this really lovely guy that has literally every single thing I've ever done ever. 
and I hadn't even seen a physical copy of that for years. I was like, oh, it's really cool. And I looked at the back and I couldn't, I forgot what the back looked like. I was like, oh, it's actually, um, what a lovely um, bit of art it is. It is very cool. <laughs> yeah, the front cracks me up. Like his perspective of the hand is just like, he's my, the thing about my friend's art is that he doesn't deliberately do like a naive thing like he tries very very hard to make it very accurate but there's always just something a little bit skewer about it and i really like it it's cool <laughs> yeah it's really, how's his other work is it is it probably equally cool yeah he's improved like technically he's improved since then so it's but it, that almost makes it weirder because Technically, it's a lot better, but there's still something just a little bit off about it all the time. <laughs> so, yeah, it's te technically better, but stranger. <laughs> How are you with, like, things like that, like photo shoots or, um, or like, there, like, let's do a, let's do a, you know, pose for a portrait or whatever. Like, does that make you nervous? Is that something you had to get your head around? Or were you always um, okay with it? No, definitely. I think, yeah, I hate getting my picture taken. I mean, li we literally started talking, both trying to not look at our faces. I um, <laughs> I, yeah, I think I just, because especially if you're doing like, um, <clears throat> like record stuff, I think I'm old enough now that I know that if a picture looks, like if I don't put in, the mental work around trying to at least just relax your face a little bit for a photograph then I know that I'm going to have to see that photograph um probably at least 30 times in the next like three months do you know what I mean so it's like right. I really do try and, and also because you know like I see other people like with whatever it is if they like have like nice press shots or you know look nice in a photo I'm like oh I want to have a nice one of me that makes me feel happy so I do put a bit of like yeah I just try and like I'm very awkward with it but I try and either get them with people like I don't do a lot of it to be honest but like when I do I just get it, them taken by people that I like and then I'm comfortable around and just yeah really try and relax my like I get this real school mommy like line to my um, mouth if I get tense so just really try and like relax my face <laughs> all the pictures I've seen I think you look super cool that's why I was asking because you seem very relaxed in front of the camera so. uh -huh. oh that's very nice no opposite day but that's good if that's how it um it's reading <laughs> yeah that's yeah um I love your music I love what you do I love the um I love the full band stuff but the, the spare stuff is really what hits me the most I love the the um the sort of spartan intensity of of what you do and i you're such a fun person but the music is so intense and um do you find that the division between you as a civilian versus you as an artist like do you feel <laughs> you're two different people what do i call non-incarcerated people <laughs> is that are i called civilians <laughs> let's go with it sure is that what no, I'm just wondering? A free person. A free person. Um, so, um, not, I, like, not really. Like, I feel like um, I'm quite 
relax around people. So I think even if, and I'm just assuming that this this might have happened at some point, like in terms of if someone met me and they thought that I was a different way, like I feel like that's kind of moved through quite quickly and that I don't really notice that ever really happening. Um, I think maybe for performing live, it's probably quite helpful because people kind of maybe lean into being a bit more respectful and like maybe not sometimes I'm almost like oh that it that it would upset me because <laughs> it's obviously if it's like the content's quite heavy then people will you know which is not you know like as a especially as a younger person you know like playing quieter music and maybe not the most like hospitable environments you know you kind of can be talked over quite a bit yeah. um maybe especially like as a woman as well, you know, like you want to kind of command the space a little bit more. But um, yeah, I feel like I try and um, not always, but sometimes like keep the between song kind of chat quite relaxed because otherwise I did like, I feel like there was a point where my live performance at least was getting a little bit like of an endurance test for me and for people in a way that I think wasn't particularly um like kind of cool or it was a bit like um almost was felt like it was borderline gratuitous kind of so I try and kind of keep it a bit like um light in between so it's not so um because I think that's enough like I'm more and more like aware that it's essentially it's entertainment like I feel like homes for private and you want it to be affecting but also like I don't want it to seem like I don't want it to be too much do you know what I mean like I want it to walk a line that's kind of warm but affecting but not um you know arduous or yeah oh but that also helps you too to kind of like take a little bit of a of a breather right and then dive back in there's a kind of a nice contrast when you do that yeah, I guess I'm just trying to think about things that I do consciously as opposed to things that just, like, because I do do a lot of things kind of consciously, like try, like being funny on stage is something that I do kind of on, a little bit on purpose sometimes just to make, to create that kind of levity. But then in terms of, like, diving in and out, I kind of do try and be in our headspace for a performance because just to see you're kind of, a bit more present you know and like that makes it more affecting and I, I saw someone play last night and um I was just aware of like how um like stage like banter for one of a better word is can be so jarring like it is so um after every like and this person was like super proficient right like really like the band was almost like um really slick session band the singer was really really like again like proficient but then um and obvious and I know because I know people that play in the band that this person had been like really really conscious of rehearsals and like a bit of a like I know that I knew that a lot of work had gone into it and it was it showed like they all seemed really it was really kind of cohesive and together um but then, like, almost like he kind of, like, undermined himself at the end of every song by, like, 
before and this is shit that I know that I do as well so maybe this is why I notice it and I kind of try and iron it out but like before even the last chord had kind of rung out he'd be like all right and like just say it but it wasn't and so the sitting people would kind of clap but then at one point he said um oh he's like yes I've just been um um what did he say chipping chipping away at finishing the record and this is a um a really useful um opportunity to test out the new songs and I just was really taken aback by all his choices of words I was like this sounds so like it was just very like kind of uninspiring you know what I mean yeah like like would you have noticed that do you think watching that totally uh, okay okay so it's not just a me thing no I totally would have would have tweaked on that absolutely yeah it was just I feel like there was just so many it was just so revealing as to his process like this is this is it's coming across really tight and then all, all the words like it just seems very not relaxed and you're not having a nice time <laughs> right it almost feels too processy yeah right and very and I kind of know this person to know so that's why I think that's why I was checking whether you would have noticed it because I'm not unsure as to how much I'm um, projecting onto it because I know what how they kind of are a little bit as well but it, I think it like it, it was meeting up I was like oh, I, I know what I, I feel like I know what's going on here <laughs> yeah I kind of feel like your your stage banter either you you, know, you got a little game you know you got a little something um or like Dylan you just don't say anything <laughs> you just play songs yeah maybe that's it maybe it's like because sometimes I'll have a and look, I'm not, I'm going to be honest. Sometimes it's dependent on how much I've had to drink before we play. But <laughs> sometimes I'll have like a lot, lot to talk about. But then if you're not feeling it and you just don't, I feel like both are fine. But maybe it's when people, yeah, like kind of force it or they're like, and this is the talking bit. I even did something like before the end. He's like, and this was he was like, um, oh, there was something I was meant to say, and I realized I didn't say it. <clears throat> I have to thank the band. Um, this is. And like, I was just like, what, what is going on here? <laughs> yeah, it's like, uh, they play, he plays a song and he goes, well, I thought that went pretty well. It was honestly, that was exactly, exactly the vibe of it. Yeah, totally. <laughs> I like the, um, the idea. It sounds to me like your shows, you won't get the same banter twice. Because it, it sounds to me like it's all, it's all off the top of your head. Yeah, I feel like even I don't. I sometimes I don't like to talk. Say if I'm playing with my friend Hank, who plays um flute with me, because he's a very funny extroverted person, and he's like um sometimes before we play, he'll be like, oh you should say it. like we'll make a joke, and he'll be like oh you should totally say that on stage, and I'm like well now I won't because we've <laughs> because we've planned it, <laughs> you know like I'm not, I think I'm very good at delivering <laughs> pre-planned lines. <laughs> right it almost well, feels too rehearsed yeah and I just wouldn't be able to deliver it it would just look really weird <laughs> yeah I like the idea of intensity balanced with a little comedy because then your your guard goes down and then when you go back to the intensity the person is more vulnerable and more open to get to get uh, blown away I think yeah I think also just I always just think of things like a conversation with with friends that like you don't like. There's just the odd moments where you can get really, you know, personal and 
even maudlin or whatever if you want to but you know you always with a friend you always or someone you have rapport or get along with you there's always moments where you can crack a joke or you know and you're not like and it doesn't it's not breaking a mood or anything it's just kind of making it's just rapport I guess and I just I think probably that's how I would more and more try and approach playing live and yeah I feel like it's just never like nice to watch someone was never I mean actually no this is bullshit sometimes it can work but when it doesn't work when you're watching someone who's really self-conscious it's it's kind of makes you feel or I feel like as an audience member it makes me feel quite self-conscious as well like it's not very engaging or relaxing and you kind of want to be able to do that really but but yeah I feel like there are definitely examples of watching self-conscious people do things and it's really amazing as well <laughs> yeah and, and I think most performers are ironically enough they're introverts so when it comes time to like talk a little bit sometimes that can be hard for some people yeah do you, what's your preference when you see um like a live thing can you think of any um recent ones that have either been really good or really bad yeah I like a little chat I like a little bit of uh I like to kind of hear a little between because it's kind of like um it feels very real and very inviting and intimate when they when they do that I know at big shows it's it's a bit stagey but at smaller club shows um I like it I really like it a lot I think Canadian bands are really funny they do a lot of like funny stuff in between um that's always been my experience, but I always, yeah, I like that. I like little chatter in between. What about you? Yeah, I think I'm the same. I feel like, yeah, it does make it feel a bit special. Like if you get, like, especially with, um, uh, I guess like, you know, famous people or whatever that you, it feels like you're getting like a bit of a special insight or a little bit of um, extra thing that maybe like the other shows didn't get or something. Right. Um, yeah, I think. It's when it, I feel like when it's it's the kind of thing that when it's done well, it's just so enjoyable to watch someone <clears throat> really feel at home and kind of like perform in a way that is satisfying to them, but also to the audience that's not like ego driven and is really like I don't I I think probably typically I don't <clears throat> really like watching stuff that's too polished. I think mm -hmm. that I'm that's that's never really like a, it's pretty rare that I'll come away from a like even what I'm talking about last night like literally I was messaging a friend before we started talking and um I was like oh yeah it was kind of personalityless and um like really good maybe too good and my friend's like oh you're such a harsh critic and I was like I feel like <clears throat> I don't know how do you feel about that I feel like I was kind of a bit like, oh, I feel like, A, I wasn't being too harsh, but also I was like, well, like, I, it's just, I don't have to like it. Right, well, <laughs> I don't <right>. know. <laughs> yeah, and it's, it's, it's kind of out there to be, I don't know, maybe it was just a situation I should have just said nothing, but <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I was thinking, like, I've never seen Nick Cave before, but I don't, I wonder if Nick Cave does chatter or his because his music is so intense have you seen him play before no I'm not really a fan though as well mm -hmm. so I feel like also it could be because I'm from like I feel like that maybe I mean you you're not in Australia but like 
coming from New Zealand to Australia too was a bit different because he was kind of such an idol here and maybe a bit less so in New Zealand. Yeah, I don't know. Oh, I just, I find it quite pretentious. <laughs> yeah, I I gotta say, I'm not a huge fan. Um, I, I think I respect what he does, but the, um, yeah, it's not, it's not total. I just, I just know the music's so intense. I just wondered how he handled, how he would handle it. I don't know. I reckon, um, I reckon he'd probably really leave into it. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I think I, so. I'll tell you what, I saw Tom Waits and he was hilarious. Ah, uh, yeah? Like, do you mean banter between? Oh my God. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> but I, I could tell that it was all planned. Uh, like quite um, like strict, strictly planned. Yeah. Because it had, because the, the stories had beginnings, middles and ends. They were very round, but they were written so well that it didn't matter. But you could tell that it was like, you're going to get this tomorrow night too. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> yeah. I don't really, I don't mind that. There's something kind of campy about that, that I quite like. Do you know what I mean? Like, um, yeah. Yeah, like if you wanted to almost like camp it up more, you'd have the audience do their scripted responses too. <laughs> right. <laughs> you did you um when you were growing up, were you a fan of those New Zealand bands like The Chills or The Clean? Did you listen to stuff like that? Um <clears throat> so only when I was a bit older, like not as definitely not like as a child. Um maybe I think when I was probably so I moved to Australia when I was 21, hmm. but then I I guess like my kind of formative teenage years would have been probably 18, 19, 20 in Wellington. And that was when I kind of like, so I did music and like as in a, like a high school band and stuff. But then when in those years, that was when I was like started doing the band that I was in for all of my 20s and um yeah so that was kind of through friends and stuff that's when I kind of encountered more of all the flying nun stuff yeah and um yeah I feel like it's all like there was definitely a period where it was super inspiring like um you know like even hearing like do you know Peter Jeffries and um like he, he's apparently I don't know how outdated my um information is but I think he was like a like a teacher at like a, a small town in New Zealand and stuff and that was always pretty inspiring growing up like these kind of guys that are like I'm a huge like um Alistair Galbraith fan and like um he yeah all these guys that are so kind of like you know respected in the world but their kind of day-to-day -day was kind of so normal and that Robert Scott, um, I think, yeah, I feel like he's a school teacher as well, actually. But, like, um, yeah, I think I, I only know Alistair personally. I don't know that those other people. But then, um, yeah, I think that was always, like, quite um, heartening because just for people to kind of maintain putting out lots of work, of like, especially with Alistair, of, like, such a crazy, unique, high standard, but not really to have, like, kind of, super um financially successful careers was always quite um inspiring to me I reckon because it's hard, it was, it's hard being from New Zealand and like because you're so far away like even for me to come to you would would like bankrupt me you know what I mean so it's right like, right and especially for those guys being like um pre-internet as well you know like it was really would have been really 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 crazy difficult to do to get to make a sustainable like um artistic 
career and yeah I don't know I think it's um quite I, I know there are characters like that over the world but I feel like that group in particular is like pretty um, um inspirational Robert Scott from the bats right yeah yeah yeah, yeah pretty, they, I'm, I'm essential. maybe he stopped when they kind of had like a bit of a research but I, I know he was a school teacher yeah I heard that too and they played a few times over here but I know because I'm in California like you're right it would be like monstrously expensive to do something over here yeah and even just like even when when I did kind of a, like DIY touring in my 20s like that was kind of like we had internet but like not smartphones kind of vibe do you know what I mean like so there was lots of like internet cafe <laughs> um oh, you know yeah. going going to finding the the cheapest internet cafe in Dusseldorf <laughs> you know like whatever but um even that was like kind of crazy difficult and like lots of you know just like um searching on like MySpace band Czech Republic and then like seeing what popped up kind of thing and like we had a lot of really cool tours doing that but just thinking of it even like a couple a generation before that when you'd be literally like I don't know writing letters or like organizing you know like it's just such a kind of it's so crazy to me to think of the leap of faith that it would be just to like get on a plane and do it or and yeah. just like not even, not even know if it was actually going to be be organized or anything properly I don't know I feel like that's a, a bit of a lost experience these days you're right. I mean, like when the Chills played here in the 80s, they sold out. They sold out these little clubs and they weren't making millions of dollars. But I mean, somehow before the Internet, people in California, Boston, um, you know, in, in Massachusetts and New York, they knew about these little bands from from New Zealand without any other way of knowing about them through other than maybe college radio and word of mouth. And somehow... Be, like the flying nun stuff is really there's it's kind of fetishized by like you know like the hipster crowd in the in the states for years and um but you're like how'd they find out about it before the internet but somehow they did yeah i think the flying nun stuff even in australia is a bit like that like a bit and to be even like a couple so i put my that that record the painting one i put that out on silk breeze and i think that's how tom said so Tom's in Philadelphia and I think that's how he would have even found out about me because that kind of um, affection that people have for kind of niche New Zealand music in particular. Yeah. And, um, yeah, and another, like another guy that I know um, runs, I always get the acronym, um, IDBBE, I think the label's called. He's this guy, Matthias, who um, has a label in Stockholm, but he's the same, like, puts out a lot of, like, um, yeah, like, really niche Australian, uh, mostly New Zealand stuff. So, yeah, kind of, like, definitely because of that, like, I've been able to trade a little bit off that in terms of people giving a shit about someone, like, literally, like, an unknown person from from New Zealand, for sure. And, yeah, I think getting you know, on Kill Rockstars is, like, such a great label and um like what what that's it, such a you're in such good hands I think with Kill Rockstars. Yeah, cool. That's really I feel like that's really nice to hear. And also I feel that like because I'm like a psycho um Elliot Smith fan as well. Like so I think that yeah, I don't know. It just like 
feels very nice. They seem very um I'm again this is the Australian New Zealand thing too. Like I'm dying to actually like there's so many people that I have known for so long over like email and text and like two phone calls in 10 years kind of thing like I just I want to actually like hang out with some people and like have a nice time too because like I have like no, no one on the label I've met in person like it's all been like you know kind of over phone and email but um that's so this is why I say they seem really great it's not because I'm waiting to be disappointed it's because I haven't met them in <laughs> real life um but no they seem really nice and I feel like um yeah like I'm not someone who's had experiences with labels kind of taking too much control or anything like that. That's not my um, area, but um, but also they haven't done that. They've kind of been super open to everything. And yeah, it's, it's been really cool, I think. And
They're a great label. They've put out two of my favorite records of the last 12 months. So the Ron Gallo record, he was on the podcast. Uh, um, yep. Great record. And your record. Those are my two, like two of my favorite, oh, cool. you know, I, I just love your music. And um, you and Ron are so different. And it's so cool how Kill Rockstars has like such a varied lineup now. It's a cool, that's a cool thing. Oh, cool. That's, yeah, I feel like um, it's really nice to because obviously you don't want to, with and again like it's like a distance thing you know like for me I'm so far away that it's difficult to get a sense of like sometimes of what but yeah whether you're whether you'll see, see me at home on something or whether um even like being far away like I don't know why I'm, I seem very obsessed with this today but we'll just, <laughs> we'll just, we'll just carry on I think like I, maybe just because it is like one of the kind of challenges is just like yeah you're so far away that you and you don't want to seem like if you lived next door or lived in the town of your label, then you know them personally, you're kind of popping in or whatever. But then, and even with that, the time difference, like you talk, it's hard to know. Sometimes it, you, you get stressed out that it, it'll be out of sight, out of mind. You know what I mean? So that's good to see, to feel like it's kind of congruous to be, to be with them, if that makes sense. It'd be funny if if you lived around the corner and you just kept stopping by and they're like, "Oh, hey, how's it going?" <laughs> yeah, <laughs> she's she's back. <laughs> Lock the door. Yeah. She is here. She comes again. <laughs> I'm just checking if there's been any more sales. Um, no. Okay, cool. I'll see you tomorrow. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, let us know where you're gonna drop by next time. Yeah, I don't know. No, 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 I won't bother you. I'll just I'm just around the corner, so I'll see you soon. See ya. <laughs> you're like I live next door. They're like we now. We now. Yeah. <laughs> we're actually moving offices so that won't be for much longer <laughs> <laughs> yeah it's it is true that kill rockstars is a legendary label and it's like um it it's so cool it's just so cool and i'm glad you're an elliot fan because did you see that they're putting out that heat miser stuff were you ever in on heat miser no i didn't see that but yes i was yeah oh, that's pretty cool so what are they doing? I haven't, I didn't tell me about it. <laughs> yeah, there's a new, um, there's a new, so like the Heat Miser, their original six song demo, plus like 23 never before heard songs. So it's pretty raw. And from what I've heard, it's like really cool. So they re they're, they're releasing it for the first time. That's all new stuff. Yeah. Oh. Yeah. I guess the six songs were available somewhere, but now they're like, they sound really good and then they have all like almost 25 never before heard like live stuff rare stuff um oh, that's so cool i mean any anytime you scrape the elliot smith vault and you come up with something it's going to be exciting that is very exciting um oh god i get in, thrown into like um <laughs> i was just remembering the other day how i uh, my friend took me to see or my ex actually took me to see um that second elliot smith documentary a few years ago oh i saw that yeah yeah and um i literally just like was thrown into three months of depression <laughs> like, it's so sad so, so um i was like i gotta prepare for that if they're rich if they're releasing new stuff <laughs> you know what um the amy winehouse documentary did that to me it just knocked me out oh uh, really yeah it's very sad <laughs> it's, <laughs> it's really sad stuff it's yeah. like i know i know but it's but you know it's the intent i'm not afraid of the intensity of it but it is it is a lot to feel yeah totally i feel like i was listening to um 
Jason Molina the other day and I was like, oh, because my other friend sent me some other band and he was like, oh, this sounds exactly like Jason Molina. And then I was like, but it's not. So like, and then it just got me thinking about, yeah, I guess like a bit sadly, like, oh, I don't it, it, it hits really hard because he meant it. Do you know what I mean? Like, and yeah. then I was, just felt a bit like I felt a bit um, like yucky feeling that because it's almost like you're um, reveling in the fact that they died too much. I don't know. It's sad. I know. And then there's that moment where you go, "All my favorite people died before they were 40. You know, it's like. <laughs> I literally had that thought there at the same time. I was like, this is, I shouldn't think this. <laughs> yeah. When um, you decided to go to Australia, were your, were your parents supportive of you making that move and like entering into the arts? Were they concerned or they were totally behind you? Oh, uh, no, 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 no. Um, so my dad's dead and my mum is crazy <laughs> so I don't really like probably when I moved to Australia I would have had more to do with them my dad died I'm maybe like seven probably like eight years ago now actually oh hold on yes maybe seven years ago um but no not really um never supportive about like um creative stuff at all like because I'm I was talking about this with my husband actually because we're he's born in eighty one and I was born in eighty two, and I was like we are such a funny age bracket of people because we're definitely like the end of we were the last kind of little pocket of people that there was a lot of pressure to like go to university and like and and that's why there's like you know, everyone around like that I, I know that's like forty forty one forty two have multiple degrees and work in admin or whatever. Do you know what I mean? Like, um, right. and I feel like, yes, I guess kind of in keeping with that, like there wasn't a lot of encouragement to do kind of like not get like a proper job or whatever. Um, yeah. And I think I saw that I was, um, heard this psychiatrist the other day talking about, like on another podcast was talking about um this thing called like the ducks I thought it was not the ducks theory or the ducks quotient or something but it was this um kind of uh what's that I can't know the word I'm trying to think of it it was a thing that they he kind of tried to apply to like um it was about nonviolent communication or whatever and it was the ducks theory that you should only ever do things that um with oh you should always bring do things bringing the energy that a child brings to feeding ducks so like basically like you're kind of contributing but you're also getting something back and it's really kind of enjoyable um and like that doesn't mean that you always want to do something 10 ducks but it means that basically anything under six ducks is like um you don't, don't want to do it and so in terms of like he was talking about it in terms of parenting like so if someone like do you want to do the dishes and the kids like no and then you want the kids motivation to be like um 
when they do, you do it, you don't want their motivation to be because of fear. You want it to, like to because they're scared of you. You want it to be like a positive motivation. So to get them up to like maybe six ducks, you'd be like, okay, so if you do the dishes, like it will help me, and also we can play sooner afterwards. And then if the kid still doesn't want to do it, you're like, okay, cool. We all don't want to do this. Just how are we going to resolve this? Like maybe we do them together or maybe we don't even do them. Maybe we do them tomorrow. Maybe we do them in an hour. But basically like in a really nice way, like kind of, um, posit- I guess like positively reinforcing the person's desire to do the task without forcing them to do it. And in terms of what we're talking about, like I was just thinking about my own childhood and I was like, none of that happened <laughs> do you know what I mean like I was just like oh there's just never any yeah like my um any desire that I have was just like not even um factored in at all <laughs> yeah so did you have a support system like when you went to Australia that's pretty brave then with no support system behind you or you just have to kind of find your people well I mean in saying that, I, I moved with my, there was four people in the band and we all had partners. So there was eight of us moved, literally moved over together. Um, and also like, yeah, Australia is not like super different. Like it, there wasn't like a huge culture shock or anything. And also um, in Australia at the time, because I, I always worked in hospitality. And I remember as soon as we moved to Australia, I think, the dollar's stronger and then instantly I was getting because New Zealand New Zealand the dollar's so weak and the pay so poor I think instantly I was earning I don't know ten dollars more an hour than what I was getting in New Zealand and our quality of life overall was just like we I remember just being like oh fuck we've got like a nicer like we're renting obviously but I'd like a nicer house a better job yeah but but like in terms of like um support systems and stuff like I think I've always I've always had like people or good people around that are that are friends like without and that's not to say that I haven't like um felt the lack of family support because that's been a big issue for me but also I do have I always have I've never been a I've never been a lonely person in in that sense and what about being creative like being creative or being in the process of creating can you disappear into that world for hours or is it like more of like a quick, a quick hit and you're gone? Cause some people can do it for like 10, 15 minutes and they have to stop. Um, yeah. I'm probably more, a little bit more to start off. I'm like that. And then like, I'll just get an idea down and then I'll come back generally like around. Um, so just recorded another record maybe last week was I was down in Tasmania for a week and um so I had everything kind of um had all the songs written and then but that was kind of a period of like getting more into like figuring out a bit more the tone and the mood and stuff but the initial like kind of songwriting is very quick usually but I'm getting a bit more kind of edity as I go on like a little bit more picky maybe like if I feel like a line's like a bit lazy or I can do better, then I'll always revisit it and kind of spruce it up a bit. <laughs> but it seems like you're really in this kind of creative period where you're just, you're, it's pretty fertile ground right now. Yes. And 
I usually am like that. Like, um, I think that for various reasons, like I don't find it very um, hard to, like I, like I do, I have problems, but like <laughs> writing songs isn't really one of them. <laughs> like I just have been able to do that. And I think uh, that's for lots of reasons. Like one is, I think I, um, learned piano when I was a kid and so I got like I feel like I got into the headspace of understanding that like repetition and rehearsal is like is a good thing you know what I mean so you do things over and over again and, and also like, like when you're a kid like rehearsing your instrument you don't you don't like make sure you don't like light a candle and make sure you're inspired or right. you know you like it's very like there's a lot of like utility to it and so I think that as an adult like I'm quite able to use that kind of same sense of utility with being creative I think like also that just comes from like always having to work and um you know like having a job and doing creative stuff so you kind of um you don't I have never really had the liberty of I don't know, just sitting around waiting for inspiration to hit. It's like, okay, so I've got to do songwriting that afternoon or whatever. But I feel like that's all been really helpful. I don't think these are, these are bad, like, limitations at all. Um, like, I always remember a friend of mine quit their job when um, maybe, I don't know, like 10 years ago to do music full-time. And I remember thinking at the time, I was like, I don't know if I would do more if I had more time kind of thing. And I think even now, like, I don't work, I stopped working maybe, like, day job-wise, um, maybe this time last year, but then, um, like, I don't really create more, I just kind of do more, like, um, of the admin stuff kind of thing, but, yeah, I feel like I've just always been quite good at having quite a concentrated process, I guess, and that it doesn't take long, and, yeah. Also, I think what I'm trying to do is pretty like um not particularly like detailed I guess is the word that I want like I remember you you said sparse I guess it's like quite direct and so it doesn't doesn't necessarily require a lot of like it's yeah not like um very pointillistic it's like very like right yeah I don't know it's cool because the music is so immediate that way yeah and I think part of that is what I realized lately is that I always thought that that was 100% a stylistic choice but I think my realization over recording and with my most with messages to God but and and also with the record that I just recorded um it's been a good um there's been a realization that that immediacy, which I thought was 100% a stylistic choice, is maybe also a little bit of maybe insecurity, insecurity around like my musicianship and like, um, and I've definitely enjoyed kind of um, like feeling more confident in taking a bit more time, if that makes sense, as opposed to. And also just, I mean, I keep talking about like things being difficult, but, you know, like for me, that kind of tendency to just power on and power on and power on in terms of 
making music and recording music and releasing music and also in my day-to-day life as well I'm just kind of trying to like um pull back a bit and not be so much like that and I think that's reflecting in my creative stuff as well so that's been the big sort of one of the big shifts in terms of feeling a little more secure about what you do I think being more able to address the f- um things in a more like um honest and productive way so like i think like i've got m- my it's i i i just i feel like emotionally i'm a bit like at base camp like i've just been all this time of life and like now i'm like okay cool now i can do some actual now I can start. Like I feel like it's been just a lot of work to get to now, and so I feel like that's kind of helpful for me because now I'm able to make a bit more interesting choices. So now I can be like, okay, is there an element of insecurity in why I'm um, yelling all these songs? Like maybe I can be a bit more like vulnerable because I'm in a place where I can be quite in a more safe way does that make sense yeah so, yeah I feel like <laughs> yeah I don't know it's 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 good it feels like a bit like um just a different like leveling up emotionally I think for me it also is kind of a relief when you those like insecurities start to melt away a little bit and you feel like eh, enough with that one now you can kind of be a little freer because that was you know i think probably like the the ego maybe uh lets it go a little bit it's also part of getting older right you just kind of yeah i was gonna say is it is it an age thing as well do you think yeah but you're like i don't have the energy or the bandwidth to worry about how big my face looks today on zoom (laughs) (laughs) although i do i did notice how big my face looked but um I couldn't, I can't do anything about it. You know, if I was in high school, it would, I would think about it for, you know, for 30 hours straight while listening to, you know, Nick Drake. But, <laughs> but now it's like, eh, what am I going to do? You know, like who cares? I think like, I, I think also my investment in, and I think this is, I think that a lot of people are like this, but I also think that I am like this. I, like um, my investment in worrying about other people to a pointless degree and that like getting really like caught up in my feelings about this person doing this or this person doing that or I, I think that I got to a point where I was like oh I'm just doing that so I literally don't have to focus on my own stuff and then when I did that it's things started to kind of shift a bit more positively and that like I was able to kind of work on my stuff properly if that makes sense like yeah like I think I was a bit like um a classic example of someone who oh what does my my analyst calls it um when someone has their super ego on megaphone like if you're like way too worried about other people's stuff it's like well the lady does protest a lot (laughs) What is going on there? Are you, do you find that you are, um, like when you're in a creative space, is it 
is it like a discipline where you're doing it every day or you just wait until you're feeling like you're feeling creative? Uh, it's, I think in terms of what I was saying before too, I think I'm kind of more, yeah, I'm not someone that um, waits for inspiration to strike at all. I kind of do be very um, kind of pragmatic about it. I think that's also, I've always had like a bit of an aversion to, um, <clears throat> You know, and maybe it's a this is a like a woman thing and a New Zealand thing, like a bit of an aversion to like rock starry ego vibes. And I think that part of me being like that has meant that I do approach my like creative process like pretty um pragmatically and like um like it's time to sit down and do some kind of working out as opposed to like some kind of divine um you know to, uh stroke of genius or something you know like I'm not and I mean even us talking about like um those New Zealand bands before I feel like there was like in a lot of those people there's like a real lack of kind of um at least from what you can perceive like say with like Alistair Galbraith like there's a very lack of like kind of um, ego and pretension in, in his music that yeah it's not like I guess it's like a, a humbleness about it but like not in an earnest way but yeah like but Alice is very much not an earnest person but there's a like a lack of arrogance to, to what he does I think and I think I've always had a lot of time for that so that's probably what I try to to um uh grasp as much as possible and also I think people who wait around for inspiration I understand it but bills don't get paid if you're waiting around for inspiration do you, know, there's something, do you feel like there's something kind of like self-important about it? Do you, does, do you feel like that? Yeah. Yeah. Like, I do. Like a I bit do. like um, something, there's something a bit thespian-y about it or something, a bit like... A contrivance. Yeah. Right? Like, it's sort of like, you know, I remember in graduate school, I went to graduate school for creative writing, and I, it was really interesting hearing people talk about all the things they were doing um, so they could then do their book and they just never did it they just you know they never wrote they just talked about writing but they never actually did the writing do you mean like they were talking about experiences that they needed to have they were talking about like well once i get the house cleaned then i'll sit down and write the novel or here's uh, what the novel's going to be about and i and i heard this this thing which is really interesting is that if you talk to somebody about the artistic work that you're going to do, it releases a dopamine hit, it, which is the same hit that you get when you do it. So if you're talking uh, about your art, you're not actually creating your art. Yeah, wow, that's interesting. Um, yeah, I feel like that's so funny. I feel like I don't really talk much about plans. Um, I mean, there's that main song on the my new record that what's it called? Sometimes I just want to feel bad, and like, what is it? Um, I love that song. Yeah, I feel like it's a, it's. I feel like of the record, it's the main one though. It makes us sometimes like it's a little bit bitchy, but whatever. Um, <laughs> like it feels like a I mean, single to you. Sorry, it feels like a single. Like it feels like the standout. Ah, uh, okay, yeah. I feel like your tone wise, it was the one that I was a bit like, oh, it doesn't. It's not like as um, yeah, kind as the other ones, um. But I guess that's essentially what that song is about, and in, in a way, is like yeah, people, 
making plans that they don't. I feel like life weeds those people out pretty quickly. Do you know what I mean? Though, like I don't. Totally. Yeah, like I feel like in my early twenties, there's probably a lot of people like that, but I feel like I don't really know a lot of people like that anymore. I ran into two of those people in the grocery store at two different times that were in the creative writing program. And I said, are you still writing? And they go, nah, not so much anymore. So yeah, you're right. They get, they get weeded out. If you, if you, you're right. You're totally right. Don't you think with like creative stuff, so much of it is just about like literally like being last man standing. (laughs) Like if you just carry on like, like long enough, like it's like you, the, the secret to art is um endurance yeah that's i totally agree that's i think that's also speaks to like the utility too like it's not really about like being inspired or whatever it's like you just gotta keep just gotta keep going and then like yeah yeah you I just have like to keep going it's nice i think for me a nice like separate to that a nice thing for me is you know talking to people like you or you know feeling like a sense of like it's always been nice for me to meet people through doing creative stuff like that's always a trait like something that I've felt quite you know like if you play a show and then people want to talk to you and stuff like that's always been I've, I've always felt lucky that um that that happens that's nice and like talking to people like you who you know when you get to like kind of you know not not just have a little bit of time to talk about what you've been doing artistically, but just to feel like a bit of, I don't know, permanence in the world has always been like a bit of a, I feel like that's a, certainly a separate to the endurance test. <laughs> there are nice things that, that do happen as well. Yeah. Yeah. And, and it makes me think like fellow musicians, fellow artists, it's nice to have friends who are also creative because they, they sort of get it in a way that, like someone said to me, I'm a writer and one of my, um, I don't remember who it was. They said to me, oh, uh, my grandmother has a really interesting story that she wants it, she wants it written. Um, I thought maybe you could do it. It pretty much writes itself. And I was like, except that it doesn't write itself. Like it's, that's, you know, people don't understand that like the, to create is actually like to get into a dark trench and come out with something or not. And um uh, <laughs> fellow fellow creative friends totally understand there's a there's a shorthand where they get it in a way that maybe somebody else might not oh totally even like I completely understand it I feel like that's why I guess like we're talking about um you know um the people who are able to kind of for whatever reason stay in the endurance test like they do become less and less when you do get older and I think that um yeah like when I was so yeah when you do meet people talk to people that do understand how it's pretty it's like it's pretty dramatic like I'm like I'm downplaying it a lot also but then on the other hand it is like pretty dramatic and drastic how much you kind of do have to commit mentally to it and like when I was recording last week like you know from to watch it it would have just looked like a person sitting at a piano and singing but then like there was like an insane amount of background work going on like there was a lot of like walking to the toilet and like looking to the mirror and being like get it together chad work and then going back and then like really like focusing my mind on like you know like finding my thoughts flickering towards like oh i hope the person that i was working with is having a good time and then being like no 
you, what do you want to get out of this? You want to make an amazing record. How are you going to do that? By delivering. How are you going to deliver? By like focusing on your thoughts, you know, like it's just like, <laughs> like, so I came back and like, my, you know, how was it? I was like, it was great, but it was very difficult. Like, that's a lot. <laughs> like, <laughs> but that internal voice yeah. is asking all the right questions. I think I'm getting there now. But but before, like, 5, 10, 15, 20 years ago, I would have just, like, spiraled into um, <laughs> insane anxiety and depression. <laughs> but <laughs> I think that's part of that new thing I was telling, telling you about, like, now I think I'm able just for the first time just to sit back a bit and be like, okay, what the fuck is going on here? Like, you feel like you're going to freak out. You don't want to freak out. What are you going to do? Like, what's actually happening here? And then... And I, I'm 41 years old. It's taken it's taken a while, and arguably, um, you know, 10 years of the world's most expensive psychotherapy. But we'll see how it goes. <laughs> but it's helping. It's helping. It's all helping. It is helping. It really is. It's it's yeah. Um, I think too, like especially, I feel like writing would be. I remember like talking to my friend who's a, like a painter about. Cause I do like my visual art as well, but it's like the same as this um, songwriting. Like it doesn't take, like my process is, it's getting longer, but it's pretty quick. And I said to her like, um, you know, essentially that they only need to take X amount of time, but there's also like, I can't just do like, you know, five in a day. Like I can only do like one or whatever. And I'd never really thought about it like this, but I think, and I feel like writing would be the same because you're so rehearsed at it and so fluent at it that you forget how many little decisions you're making a million times along the way so it is actually quite fatiguing because you don't even you wouldn't even be clocking all the kind of choices that you're making along the way and I yeah. think that's the same with, like, paint, with painting and stuff as well are you painting so it sounds like you're painting and doing music like like almost all the time I mean uh, it seems like that but I'm not but I think like I just work in like <laughs> I think I'm just, I, I'm just a very concentrated effort. it's always a concentrated effort so like I'll spend a day watching the ultimatum on Netflix and then I will spend a day doing a painting and then I'll spend a day walking the dog and cooking and then I'll spend you know, do you know what I mean? Like, it's not yeah. very, like, I um may not take off my pajama pants today, but then, but then I'll be really productive tomorrow. Do you know what I mean? I do. And I also think I those say, days, that's part of the process, I think. Do you think, or does it sound like someone who's justifying being very, very relaxed? <laughs> <laughs> no, I think it's part of the process. I think that you need... I know some people will immerse themselves in a, in a kind of workmanlike way every day. I can't do that. But when I'm not writing, I'm thinking about what I'm going to write when I'm going to write again. So I do think it's part of it. I'm sure that your, your brain, um, when you're walking the dog or cooking, um, your brain is probably, your unconscious brain is probably still, you know, thinking about the art, even if you're not consciously thinking about it. Yeah. Do you know, my, I read um, Juliana Hetfield's book, it's called When I Grow Up. I had her and, on the um, podcast, by the way. She, she did. Oh, uh, really? Yeah. Oh, I've listened to a couple of episodes. I listened to the, um, is it Nora Connor one yesterday? Oh. That was, it was really good. Um, but I, 
Yeah, I re- actually really enjoyed listening to that because I feel like the way that she spoke was it spoke to my um the pragmatism that I have like you know obviously she was talking about working around her kids and oh, yeah. their family and you know that kind of I, I that resonated with me I was like I, I understand that but yeah the Juliana Hatfield like um memoir she the one thing that I always remember from, from it apart from the fact that she used to have like one tequila shot I think before she played her in or yeah. something but um was that she just says there's a, th- a throwaway line in it, but she says, oh, you know, the idle time's really important for an artist. And I've, yeah, I always remember that. You're the best. Thank you so much for doing this. I'm so glad we got to talk. I loved it. Thank you, Alex. I'm me too. And I really appreciate it. It's always, yeah, like I say, I'm being super sincere. Like it's very part of what makes it enjoyable for me is talking to nice people like you. It's um, the best. there you go. Sarah Mary Chadwick, she's the greatest. A lovely human being, a brilliant musician. I can't say enough nice things about her, but don't take my word for it. I mean, do take my word for it, but don't just take my word for it. Go to her Bandcamp page, sarahmarychadwick.bandcamp.com. Pay it a visit and pick up everything she's ever done. You will be so happy to have her as part of your uh, music collection, digital or physical or both. I'm saying get it all on every medium you can because she's one of those artists you're just going to keep going to. She's remarkable. Visit her on Instagram as well. Don't be a stranger there at Sarah Mary Chadwick, her record label Kill Rockstars on Instagram at Kill Rockstars Official. And don't forget to check out bombshellradio.com to find out what makes our radio station tick. You can find me on Twitter. Well, what's left of it? at Ember's Editor or on Instagram at Ember's Podcast or just email me, editor at StereoEmbersMagazine.com. Stereo Embers, the podcast, is available on all podcast platforms. Go to the one that you use, subscribe, rate, and review, and tell all your friends. Tell people that used to be your friends. Maybe this is a great way you guys can patch things up. Give them a call and say, you know what? It's been 25 years. I know I stole your boyfriend. But there's this podcast I think you might like. (laughs) And then you guys will just slowly rebuild your friendship until, um, you know, you'll laugh at the past crimes that you've committed against each other. (laughs) I don't don't know what I'm talking about. Just, you know, do whatever feels right to you. Uh, We appreciate you spreading the word any way you possibly can. Let's close the show with a longer listen to I Felt Things in New Zealand from Sarah Mary Chadwick's brand new album, Messages to God. Enjoy it, and thank you as always for listening to Stereo Embers the Podcast, only right here on Bombshell Radio. Well, my love has a limit. It ends before I feel it. And thrown out of the thicket. Bubble, you pray.
I cried and let my father down I drove away was that goodbye I said and had another one cause I felt things in you Yeah.